Game week 4 is done, we got to see the first of Cristiano Ronaldo back in the Premier League and as we predicted it was quite lucrative if you brought him in and you captained him, well done to you. For the rest of us, oh well, we'll just wait <laughs> until the next opportunity to get him in. Greg, how was your week so far? Yeah, thank, good thanks Clyde. Um, very, very interesting watching Ronaldo back in the Premier League. Good to good to watch soccer again. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I must say, like uh, you know, all the build up to it. I mean, it was more or less expected that he was gonna bang against Newcastle. So no surprises there, really. But uh, I suppose you know now the question is whether you're gonna keep him in for the long haul because especially with players like that, once you get them in and you get a taste of what they offer, it's very difficult to just bomb them out your team, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's going to be very tough because there are, like we spoke about, a lot of premium options now. And, you know, you've got Lukaku, Salah, uh, Ronaldo, and, and you now have to kind of choose two almost. It's, it's very difficult to fit all three in your team and, and still have a team that's, that's balanced. Um, and you really want to avoid one of those weeks where because three players um, brick on a week you, you end up with 10 points because you've got no one else to to support those guys so very interesting to now see how guys choose it with the fixtures changing uh, united's fixtures are going to get more difficult after this uh, this last game week uh, and chelsea's in two weeks time become extremely good so you know i've been looking at it on my prediction model and it sort of sees lukaku and and ronaldo almost dead even over the next six weeks um, which is interesting given that uh, Lukaku has two quite tough fixtures uh, to start off with. Yeah, uh, I suppose because after that, if you look at, uh, I suppose, um, with uh, Manchester United specifically, they've got West Ham and I think Leicester up ne- the next two. And then uh, with Chelsea, where it's kind of inverted, where the, the last three fixtures in that five uh, match run is much better as well so yeah that, that will be interesting to see how it pans out but i see a lot of people talking about getting in ronaldo especially during wild cards now and things like that and then looking to move him on for lukaku in game week seven but i can tell you now many people who say that are most likely going to back out of it and just keep ronaldo anyway because uh, especially if he holds in the next two games but i suppose let's see how it goes eh? so how was your last game week how, uh, what what was your score it, it was surprisingly good um i got uh, 72 points I, t- I took a four point hit uh, nice. i was forced into forced into two transfers with uh, sun being injured um and wilson being injured um so in the end, the two players that I was that I was worried about, I was hoping that both would be okay, and both were injured. So I, I brought in uh, Trincao from Wolves, and I brought in um, Lukaku from Chelsea, and Captain Lukaku. That was very 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 good for me. Um, and like I've always said, you know, if you're going to take a point hit, if you're bringing in someone that you're going to captain. Then it then it can pay off. Yeah, sure. And, and for me, it did. I managed to get a green arrow, even though half the half of the FPL uh, website was uh, using their wild card. Um, <laughs> with a four point hit, I still managed a green arrow, so I was very happy nice, with it. Nice. Yeah, and yourself? Yeah, uh, not a great game week. Uh, I got forty nine points. 
largely because at the end I decided not to get a replacement in for Son. So what happened was I think I you know I'm, I'm I, I think I did mention it in la, in the last last week's episode where I had two free transfers and I took Bruno and Ings out of my team and I replaced them with Greenwood and uh, Jimenez. The issue is there is that Son got injured and look i suppose it was my fault for pulling the trigger on my transfer so early but the other part is is that i needed it for team value because i had to beat those price rises because um, you know at that time and uh, i decided to go in early which is i suppose lesson learned it, it i won't say lesson learned it it's a case where sometimes you are forced into it if you have exact money which i suppose in my case wasn't wasn't necessarily the case but eventually i opted not to get a son replacement and to be fair look if i had to do a son replacement i was going to take a minus four and all of the players that i was looking to potentially bring in for son were all blank anyway i'm thinking of torres jota well jota would have had to get rid of timica so that was going to be like a minus eight which was definitely not worth it anyway yeah. or even someone like Bamford who also blanked so I think even though it was a poor game week for me I feel like at least by not taking that hit on a players on players that eventually blanked I actually feel okay about it if that makes sense because I'd rather have 49 points than have 50 50 with the minus four you know or 52 exactly. with the minus four and and lose that extra two or three points or whatever the case may be and I feel like, oh, well, you know what? It could have been worse. It was one of those game weeks because, unfortunately, Dyer went off yeah. injured early as well. So I effectively played with nine players. And then, uh, even, you know, Jimenez came in, got one point because he got a silly yellow card at the end. And then Antonio got minus one. So my forward line got a net result of zero. <laughs> and uh, But look, Salah, Greenwood... Uh, Alexander Arnold, Shaw, Feldman—they they all returned, yeah. and uh, and and I suppose look, FPL is a game of such fine margins. I think if only Mane's decision making was better during the weekend, he could have passed maybe one to Salah. One more goal for Salah would have meant ten points because I captained him. And most likely would have taken all three BPs, which meant another six points. And yeah. then we're looking at a score of potentially like another 16, which would actually double the score and made it 32. And then I'm looking at a completely different outlook on my game week. So, yeah, I suppose it's one of those game weeks. I paid the price for not having a son replacement, but uh, I suppose we move now. Yeah, it, it was interesting when I was watching the Liverpool game as a Liverpool fan. I own Salah in my team and I desperately for FPL reasons don't want Salah to score any points because the effect of ownership were, were, stats again were crazy. Every point that Salah score uh, basically uh, earned, I dropped in rank. And, and it's it's just phenomenal how this game works sometimes because <laughs> Salah had been captained by so many people. Yeah. I, I was like, I was so happy when Trent got all the points and Salah, very happy that Salah got a call and that Liverpool won the game. But what FPL he got was, was more than enough yeah, for FPL yeah, yeah. for FPL reasons. <laughs> yeah, look, um, so like I said, you know, well done on, uh, on great transfers and a great game week there. Great pick on, on Lukaku there, Greg. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose 
now I um, I've look I'm gonna put it out there I've activated my wildcard now not because I've had a ga- bad game week you know I've been talking about the same things over and over I've 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 been wanting to get a seventh attacker in for a while because I've been playing four four two all season yeah and I feel like you know the Spurs guys I mean uh, I was looking at your model by the way that you've built your 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 fixture tick, ticker and the the predictive model on the on the top performing players and I'm I say I'm thoroughly impressed, man. It's such a beautiful piece of work, Thank and you, uh, you know I, I'm, I must actually put our Twitter handles in the description when I distribute the video, especially on YouTube, because you know people need to go and and follow your work. You know, listeners, give Greg a follow. He drops fire stuff every week. Those in the, that info is amazing. I'm using it to build my wildcard team at the moment. And when I look back at every single week, the predictions come so close. The captaincy picks come so close. It's been virtually spot on since the beginning of the season, you know. And uh, yeah, no, uh, well done on that, Craig. So yeah, I'm, I looked at that model and I saw like Son vastly overperforming. And I, and I remember even watching some of the games and thinking, wow. I'm really lucky. I feel like captaining Son and getting 20 points in game week three and getting a double digit all in game week one. <laughs> I feel like I, you know, kind of got away with it, if that makes sense, because yeah. he vastly overperformed. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't see that happening, continuing. And also, Spurs fixtures don't look great over the next five or six anyway. So and that, and then Antonio being banned, and then a few fixture swings for Wolves, Leeds. Uh, who, who's the other one I can think of as well? There's a few teams, you know. Chelsea, yeah. Ch- Chelsea. Yeah. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, I would have liked to play it ahead of game week seven, but I think, you know, uh, I, I can get away with it playing it now and still preparing well for game week seven as well. So yeah, I'm I'm busy building my team using your, your work at the moment. So tell us more about it. You, I know offline we were talking about that you initially just started it, started it off as a fixture ticker and now it's blown up into something so much more than that. Yeah, so just so I mean, just to get ready for preseason, I, I built the, the fixture ticker and, and I spent a long time tinkering with it and getting it getting it right. And then once I had that done, I just realized that the, the data that, that I was using it and had it created I could use in so many other other ways to to predict the player um, points and you know look at things like uh, odds of team winning, clean, odds of clean sheets, picking captains, uh, making radar graphs for players to compare them with their stats. And yeah, so in the last couple of weeks, I've I've sort of been burning the midnight oil, just uh, <laughs> just get, getting the model finished because I'm one of those people. Once I start something, I actually can't stop until it's finished. Yeah, and I, I know. Talk about analytical people. Same here with me. You know, when I'm building these models, I can sit there until it's finished all night. I'll go in there, like even when I pull data, you know, from the FPL APIs as well. Man, I'd be sitting there for ages just trying to get that data onto my side as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I've been playing around and I've managed to get some really, really good data. I uh, essentially I, I took all, all the inputs that, that that the fixture ticker was giving me, and um, and then I looked at, at players and I just ignored all the all the all the um, variables that weren't independent. So you know, allocating points for minutes is just pointless because. We're all picking guys that are going to play 60 minutes, so there's 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 just no point in putting that into the model. Um, 
bonus points are incredibly difficult to to predict and are usually tied to clean sheets and assists or goals so literally with with those three things with clean sheets assists and goals and all the expected data around it you can actually work out exactly what every player's value is in terms of incremental value and and, and what sort of points they're going to you know th they're going to bring you over and above just the the normal two to two to three points that you can or two points and then you know depending on on whether a midfielder gets a clean sheet or a defender gets a clean sheet etc but because the model predicts um can can essentially predict the the odds of clean sheets for every game of the, of the rest of the season um it gives you the ability to to forecast and and take all the data and then uh, and then project it forward so what i spent a lot of time doing was actually taking all of all of last season's data and sort of normalizing it in, in my own sort of method that i won't go into because it's just extre <laughs> extremely long-winded but what i wanted was was data that i could that wasn't f I wanted data that was fixture proof because there's no point in taking the last six games when let's say Man City have, let's say they played Norwich, Brentford, uh, Watford, uh, Southampton, Newcastle, and yeah. then you and then yeah. you and then they've got to face City. I mean, yeah, yeah they Chelsea, move from bottom United, six to top six effectively, and then it just exactly. the results. Yeah. So so yeah. now you you're not comparing apples with apples. So I managed to get everything into sort of a normalized state. So that when I, when when I use my fixture projections for clean sheets and for um, uh, for all the uh, fixture data, you know which fixtures are better than others, then that starts to actually have a a realistic impression on on a on a player's ability. Um, and also the nice thing was I was able to take data from other leagues for the for the players that joined the Premier League and normalize their data also. So a guy like Ronaldo, for instance, who's got exceptional stats. I mean, last season stats, we're looking at an XG of 28.34, um, which is just phenomenal. But in my model, uh, once everything's been normalized, suddenly that XG goes all the way down to 17.5. And then it gets adjusted for the fixtures, which that is I still play. largely impressive for the Premier League, I suppose. Uh, exactly. Eight, 17, yeah. 18 goals. Yeah. Yeah, but then once you once you adjust for the fact that United are going to have very good attacking fixtures, because by and large they are one of the top teams. Yeah. You know that starts to increase again, and yeah, it's just brilliant. What what is the nice thing is when you when you finish the whole thing, when you look at the data and you go that doesn't make sense then you have to start again but fortunately for me once i was finished it all really made sense the players that were up there included guys like trent alexandra arnold which everyone everyone's i think everyone knows that you have to have him in your team but everyone still goes he's a defender and he's 7.5 million and, yeah. and i think a lot of people still doubt whether whether there's actually any you spend you spend a lot of time in fpl sort of going with your gut feeling whereas I've now got a lot of data to, to, to go behind that. It's and, funny uh, that you mentioned trends because I've been looking at so many wildcard drafts, well, especially over the weekend, earlier this week, and I saw so many teams getting, even last week, uh, you know, before, you know, heading into game week four, people yeah. were actually selling the likes of trends so that they could make room for Lukaku and Ronaldo and Salah in their teams. And I'm like, okay, well, looking at those type of teams, like, and exactly what happened this weekend, they all fired and great, you get a good score. But the week that it happens where two of them blank or they only get one return each rather than 
two and two and one like what happened like between them they got what like five returns this week this, this past weekend yeah if they get one return each you you literally staring down the barrel there because a lot of these guys have players like Bisuma and Gallery like Bisuma is in the starting 11 you know just yeah. to facilitate that that type of of team structure and then they have some of them okay have like Rudiger Luke Shaw as the most expensive defender which is not bad options but now all of a sudden the team looks so imbalanced it's almost like premiums fire or bust and if if the premiums are on fire you're really looking at getting like a 40 point week and it just doesn't make sense to go that extreme the the, the teams just look completely off balance as well yeah it's interesting because when you start comparing players not just individually but you know like you spoke about you know I've got a Ronaldo and a Basuma and I put them together and then I compare two other players you won't believe the difference you, you don't want to be going on the Ronaldo and Basuma route um and, exactly. and and there are there are stats i mean when i talk about stats i'm not comparing a few hundred minutes of of data we're looking at the entire last season um plus the season's data that's already uh, the four weeks that the we've already season, had yeah. yeah and and you're looking at 2000 to 3000 minutes that these players you know have have gone through and the data is all the the top uh guys are, are very important to have Trent Alexander Arnold and in the upcoming weeks James and Alonso I think are both excellent options as well Cancelo's up there and then you, the interesting one for me was uh the one we've been talking about a lot Romain Sess he's he's also in the top 25 yeah, I see um, him there. Yeah, yeah 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 that was an interesting one like uh now with my wild card as well I have to kind of decide okay do I go with Sess or do I you know then I've got Marcel who's Uh, who's 4.5 he's also like i must say when i saw him last season as well he looked at times good going forward and but then wolves just went to crap afterwards you know and then uh, and then he suffered a few injuries but this season as well is looking quite impressive so maybe he's one that i might decide on as a budget enabler but yeah i suppose it will decide it will all be dependent on whether i just want clean sheet coverage and use that money elsewhere or well uh, 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 you know especially when you have a wild card so many decisions to be made <laughs> yeah i think you got to be so careful of, of sort of a recency bias i mean yeah kalak mosal has got an, ex, an expected assist of 0.16 and he's got two assists for it so yeah it's very high, vastly overperforming as well yeah 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 i mean 0.116 is just an incredibly low number and I think that's where the bandwagons come in. You know, everyone was jumping on Ben Rama and you know, while he's he's moved up the ranks, I think I think there's still better options out there at the moment, uh, especially if you've got Antonio. And we've got a red card by the way. That's something we we need to speak about as well. What what are people going to do about that? Yeah, well, I'm wildcarding and I've decided no <laughs> not because I'm, you know, I'm I'm trying to be special over here and get rid of him, but I feel like at that price range if I, if I'm looking at over the next 2 or 3 game weeks there's Bamford there's Ralph Jimenez again you know we we've spoken about him so much now I suppose they they've both got good enough fixtures over the next few weeks that we can target with those guys and I feel like putting because I'm wild carding I can put them into my team give them a run of the next let's say it's all about game week 7 
and if it doesn't work out then i can choose uh, you know to bring antonio back in maybe around game week seven game week eight and then i think if i if i remember correctly as well i was looking at the fixtures i think villa's fixtures get better from game week eight i think and that's when maybe players like Ings and Watkins will come back into contention as well. I suppose when you release the model around game week seven or game week eight, I'll have a look at Villa's fixtures and fix the text and take take a look again. But if I remember correctly, it does get better around then. So I feel like if I, you know, I've decided to cut Antonio loose because because of the fact that I'm wild carding. And uh, look. Uh, personally if i was in a situation where i wasn't wildcarding i would have just benched antonio yeah but such is a situation where my squad is such a mess at the moment where i felt like okay because i'm wildcarding i'm just gonna you know move antonio on for now i've made the profit on him so i've banked it now and yes it's not ideal to have to go bring him back for like 0.2 extra but the players that I have in that price bracket, I'm talking about Bamford or Raul Jimenez again, they're all within the similar price range. So I think I should be fine if I decide, okay, I'm going back for Antonio. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, you've got a wild card and that's, you've obviously got a, a better, better plan going forward. Personally, I think that holding on to him is, is the, probably the best option in terms of if you're looking at a pure, purely EV decision. Um, he, he's just very, very highly ranked in the stats. Um, he's got a tough fixture against United uh, this week, but and he misses it anyway, so it's not a problem. Well, yeah, I mean, he misses it. Um, so he's missing his tough fixture, you know, essentially. So, you know, from then onwards, I think his fixtures are. He hasn't got any fantastic fixtures, but just because of how good he is, um, he's he's got above average fixtures for the next five weeks after that. And Antonio's stats are just so good that it's just the model is just loving him i think he, he's in fifth place at the moment so yeah look I'm, i must say so based on that over there like i said if i wasn't wild carding i would have probably just kept him but because i am i figured oh well you know what it will make no sense for me to go with someone like him on the bench for a week you know and then after yeah that, you know it's, it's, also, it's also tough because then you you know if you if you did keep him in then then you almost you almost forced to have too strong a branch uh, in your wildcard team because you exactly. want someone to play and then that's it's a very tough situation i've been playing or playing around with a wildcard draft or two myself and i just can't bring myself to, to click the button because <laughs> although my team would change drastically yeah. the players that i've got at the moment uh can all sort of do the job for the moment and i'm really really trying to hold out till at least game week seven if i can yeah no sure definitely and uh it, it look game week seven does seem the logical move again because then there are a few more other fixture swings well chelsea being the biggest one i suppose but yeah i think based on what i'm seeing so far i must say i'm effectively planning for five or six game weeks but realistically especially with my manchester united players i'm kind of looking at keeping them up until for game week five and game week six and then switching over to chelsea players yeah i think that's a good plan yeah and uh looking at uh, this this past week's results as well a few things that i've picked out over there that are quite interesting is that manchester united are vastly exceeding the overperforming on the xg they have an xg of 6.05 and they've already scored 11 goals and the next up is uh, everton who have an xg of 6.80 and they have 10 goals so they 
exceeding their XG by like three. And then Chelsea as well are also exceeding their, their XG by three. So some interesting picks over there and uh, West Ham are exceeding it by 2.66. So yeah, especially with, with Manchester United and Chelsea, I'm not too concerned, but it's Everton are the one there. I feel like they're such a trap because especially when a team is exceeding the XG that much, you, you kind of ex- expect a normalization to kick in uh, at some point in time. Yeah, you do. I mean, they, Burnley really looked absolutely terrible in that game and uh, Everton scored some crackers. I mean, Townsend just looked like he, he almost scored two. Uh, yeah. One of them was, was was enough, but geez, he almost put another one in as well from, from range. And um, they're looking really good, Everton, but you do kind of feel that there's going to be that, that reversion to the mean at some point. Um, maybe when they're playing tougher opponents, I think they're going to struggle a little bit more. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to watch. I, 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 I'm with you that I think the... United's and the cities, etc., will will continue to outperform, and that that you that you can usually bank on. But uh, Everton's one to watch at the moment. I think Gray especially, he's uh, popped up in the model as well, in in the top 25 players. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. I only fi- only finished the model this week, um, and I didn't even really consider him for my transfer for, uh, when I went Trinkar last week. Yeah, and yeah. and the model the model disagreed with me and you know if I if could rewind the, a week and, and have the model available I would have gone grey and his, his stats are only off 900 minutes in total um, between this season and last season but so it's very difficult to get a definitive number but at the moment he's in form and he reminds me a lot of um, you know sort of a Lingard from last season where yeah, yeah, yeah. people were non-believers 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 and eventually and just go for it go yeah. game after game goal after goal and you're thinking oh i'm sure you'll stop scoring the week i bring you <laughs> <in."> <laughs> that always happens yeah and then uh, looking at some of the the, the wrong end of, uh, of of xg is wolves man you know I keep on looking at it and I'm thinking, look, the fixtures have gotten so are getting so much better for them. They beat Watford 2-0 as well. One was an own goal, but they've got an XG of 7.93, one of the highest in the league, if if I'm not mistaken. It's like, yes, they have the third highest XG out of all teams so far, yet they're vastly underperforming. They're underperforming by almost six goals. They've only scored twice so far. Is that a worrying thing for you, especially as a Raul Jimenez owner as well? Yeah, I mean, I've got Trincar and uh, Jimenez at the moment. Um, so I'm going to give them a bit of a chance. I'm almost forced to just with the with everything that's going on with the with injuries and suspensions. And, you know, I've got Dyer, Art and Antonio suspended. So I have to give them give them a chance to perform. But it's concerning because very often i mean it, it's a it's it's a small sample size but um outperforming xg is a, is is an indication of quality and underperforming is is lack of quality and we're just not seeing any quality finishes from wolves and i think that's the problem is that you know they're getting into great situations but they they're just not putting the ball in the back of the net and that and that really speaks to the quality of the players and Jimenez just isn't that player from FPL legends ago. of two seasons yeah. ago, you know, yeah. and hopefully he can find some form. And I think a guy like Trincao, I mean, he, he looked really good in the game. Um, you know, he also needs to find his finishing boots. His stats from last season are actually very good. Um, interesting. Okay. So it's it's interesting to watch. Um, 
Let, let's see how, how Wolves do. Uh, at the moment, we've got to just give them a chance with the fixtures improving. And, and then we're going to have to jump ship if it just doesn't uh, doesn't get better in time. Yeah, and, and that's what I spoke about him where, like, I've got him and I feel like it will be short-sighted of me to have just transferred in Jimenez last week and then I transfer him out now in my wildcard. You know, it, it feels kind of counterproductive. Maybe that's a, the reason why I'm keeping him and maybe I should change my thinking around that there specifically. But... At the same time, I look at the fixtures and I think, no, man, surely something has to give with Wolves if they're creating that many chances and that many good quality chances, some of it will have to stick at some point in time. Yeah, I would give them the next three, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle. Yeah. And if they don't show any any returns from those three games, I think it's, it's time to start it's, cutting, it's, yeah, cutting exactly, the losses. Exactly. Yeah. And I suppose you mentioned Trinkau and we mentioned Damari Gray as well. At least with Gray and Trinkau, you know, they're so cheap that it almost feels like you're in free hit territory with them where you can just keep them in and they're not really holding up a spot for anybody. So you can just have, uh, play, play through with them, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they value players. You know, Trinkau still got three points for his for his six million, and it's not the best result, but every it's point counts. Yeah, rather get three points from him than get three points from a ten million plus player. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, some interesting ones there as well from the highest XG teams, Liverpool top of it, but slightly underperforming largely down to their Chelsea game which they vastly underperformed XG but they also underperformed XG again against Leeds they I think they had a XG of about four point something yeah. and then they only scored three I think Mane himself is responsible for most of it I, I was about to say I think I think that's more down to Mane than than particular fixtures he seems to yeah. be missing everything at the moment and yeah, if he, he can find form to be the Brighton version of uh, a football player in individual form this year. <laughs> Man, yeah. so frustrating to watch in, in real life at least. But uh, yeah, and then also uh, surprisingly enough where um, City kind of matching the XG uh, at the moment. They got 11.05 and they scored 11. So it's just a slight, uh, not overperforming or underperforming. So uh, I suppose... If you ever want to choose a player who's nailed on, which is never the case with City, then uh, I suppose uh, they are good. They they have a, they're giving you a very good indication of uh, of teams that are no, uh, they actually have reverted to the mean already. I suppose because yeah. they actually started off with high XG and without scoring, and then got gradually better over over the weeks. The one interesting thing that came up in your model was Jack Grealish. He's quite highly high up the the, the list. And he seems to be getting regular games now. Maybe I'm gonna I'm about to jinx it here, especially now with the Champions League kicking off as well. But uh, what do you make of that? Do you still still think that it's worth? At, look, it's eight million, so it's not a, a small price to pay either. Yeah. To, to to be able to try and play through with somebody like Jack Grealish if you decide to go for him. Well, well, it's interesting with Grealish. He his stats from last season with, with Villa are obviously very good. And his delta last season was 140%, which means that he was vastly outperforming his, his expected stats. So this season, Grealish is at half of that. He's at 78%. And, I mean, if you compare the two seasons, that I mean, when you go from 140% outperforming to 78%, that is just absolutely huge difference. 
And so I think Grealish's stats are still pretty good for this season, but he's just he's just not outperforming like all, all the other form players are at the moment. So if that turns and he starts, uh, you know, he starts getting his finishing starts improving, I think he I think he really becomes a, a big option. And of course, at City, they just have such crazy expected stats that you know if he starts to convert, you're going to see some real points from him. But then I suppose we hope that he actually plays every game, which uh, will become another well, issue soon. That's the key. I mean, at the moment he's playing something like 90, 96% of, of the minutes. If, if that continues, um, then he's a no-brainer. If, if he is getting rotated, then I think you pretty much anyone who's getting rotated, you kind of have to steer clear of uh, and just go for the guys that are getting the guaranteed minutes. Yeah, interesting takes over there. And... Uh, yeah, um, I'm, you know, the temptation is always there to get a City player in, especially when you're playing a wild card. I've been moving between, you know, I had Torres initially, then I saw your model and then I was looking at, okay, let me get in Grealish. And I could actually get in Grealish, which is actually the nice part. And that's when you kind of think, okay, well, let, let's see how I can make this work. I'm just not completely sold on, on, on him yet. Because I, I suppose everybody who gets a city play in always has that nagging doubt, and especially if it's on a wild card and then he gets benched on this weekend, I'd be absolutely furious. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, it's, uh, it's pepper is a painful game. That's all I can say. Yeah, so I, I, I still decide, but again, I, I looked at the numbers and I like what I'm seeing over there, and especially since he's been playing so, so many minutes. I'm so tempted to just keep him in and at the worst case he's at such a good price point that I can easily move on to someone else anyway. That's that's the one nice thing is that you know from from his 8 million you've got so many options. And that's one thing to keep in mind if you are wildcarding is just have some maneuverability because you know if 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 one of one of the players doesn't perform a guy like Gray doesn't work out, Rafinha doesn't seem to be getting points or whoever it is um, you need to be able to upgrade from from a 5.7 to a 6.5 or a, or a 7 million um, and you need to know how you're going to do it you know if someone gets injured it's the same story exactly yeah the premium ones are easy to move around because they're all at that similar price and there's a few options it's yeah. those cheaper guys that are quite you you essentially need to take two moves to get uh, uh, rid of them or to or to replace them and that becomes very difficult yeah exactly and uh you know, I, I had that problem already where basically every transfer I've made this season has been completely, completely owned by the fact that I just have no money available. And every player I've brought in hasn't been the player <laughs> I wanted to. It's been the player that I can afford. And, and eventually yeah. it really starts to catch up with you. And, and that is, a, you know, it's a big problem. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, let's look at the other side of it now. So we've spoken about XG and then it's... Uh, uh, the, the not so good side is the XGC. So no surprises who's right on top of the list in expected goals conceded with Newcastle. Second is probably also no surprise, but I suppose it should get better soon is Arsenal. And then <laughs> Leeds is third, which again, such a kamikaze defense that I can't say that I'm actually surprised because I think, you know, this whole thing of what's it called, Bielsa, Bielsa's murder ball is a bit overrated in my opinion. There's a yeah. lot of running, a lot of effort, but I think, you know, a lot of time it kind of lacks a bit of substance. And um, yeah, uh, 
looking at it over there i'm i'm still looking at these numbers and thinking yeah newcastle leads norwich nothing changes for me they're the teams that largely predominantly make up the top 5 top 6 of uh, highest expected goals conceded and those are the fixtures that are looking to target anyway yeah i think that makes sense i think if you targeting those teams i think you can try in norwich you can try in southampton um and burnley probably as well and then uh you're going to have some i mean if if your teams are playing those teams you're going to see some goals flying around funny um, enough funny enough i'm looking at uh, at uh, southampton's uh, goal, expected goals conceded it's only 5.55 and they've conceded 6 Okay. I, I expected them to be a little bit worse than that, I suppose. Yeah. But but now, but they've actually, especially once Vestergaard moved to um, was it Leicester? Yeah, Leicester. And uh, yeah, I expected it to be a little bit worse. But I think it's uh, yeah, under the circumstances. I think it's okay. I mean, they just you know West Ham are just below them at four point nine one. And then Chelsea are at four point seven nine. So the difference between Southampton and Chelsea is not that great. It's just that Chelsea have only conceded once, and their defense is, I suppose, just has such great quality in it. I mean, I, I suppose that is a, a clear indication of why you'd want Chelsea defenders anyway. Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, Southampton have Man City away this week, so. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that number doubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we'll come back next week and say, "Oh, by the way, Southampton are now at the bottom of the list." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a cool part of about the beginning of the season is that these numbers change so drastically, swinging, you know, from one end to the other. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, looking at the the good side of uh, of the, you know the the top achievers of of on on expected goals conceded city right at the top with 2.18 they've only conceded the one goal so far which was in the opening day no surprises there really but guess who's number 2 on the list it's brentford brentford have a 2.66 expected goals conceded and have only conceded two so far i suppose we That's expect that to get a little bit worse because the fixtures are going to get more difficult over the next few weeks but that is very impressive i must admit that that is very surprising but as you say liverpool west ham chelsea leicester wolves all in the next five is uh it's really going to put that defense to the test so yeah yeah let's again with them we wouldn't be surprised to see those numbers doubling over the next week or two weeks or three weeks Yeah, I think there could be a significant increase, and if if they get through that patch um, r- relatively unscathed, then we know that jumping on Brentford defenders might be the way to go. And then talk about teams completely underperforming on on expected goals conceded. Villa have the uh, uh, only have an expected goals conceded of three. Now to or three point six, sorry. To put that into perspective, Liverpool have an expected goals conceded of three point seven nine, and they've only conceded once. So they have an, a lower expected goals conceded than Liverpool. Yet they've conceded seven times so far this season, which wow. is, yeah, uh, quite quite an quite an interesting one that over there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that just shows. I think probably. Some, there's something wrong in the defense there. I think maybe they're just uh, not structured very well. But uh, that's that's or, or also keeping ability. I know um, Martinez was wasn't playing last week, but uh, yeah, 
that's that's really bad that's that's uh but even effectively during the showing first errors. three weeks as yeah. well Villa just did not look good defensively as well yeah exactly and, and there was another one i mean this this last weekend i think uh it was mings who, who pretty pretty much gave a goal away um with a, with a back pass yes yes and yeah. it's those sort of mistakes that i think yeah that, i mean that's what really causes that that sort of uh, underperformance and just a few other notable exceptions of teams who are, in this case, performing quite well uh, co- compared to the expected goals conceded. Uh, top of the list is Spurs. They've conceded all three of their goals in one game. and uh, But they have an expected goals conceded of 7.33, which I think uh, is quite interesting over there. So I'd like, But now their fixtures get a little bit more difficult. So we might see a bit of evening out there as well. And then next up is Chelsea, where they again they they second on the list for, in terms of uh, uh, overperforming on the expected goals conceded. So I just mentioned them just now: 4.79 expected, just conceded the one, and then Liverpool third with 3.79, and then only conceded the one as well. But after that, over there, looking the the fourth team is actually uh, Leicester. They have an expected goals conceded of 7.97 and they've conceded six. Okay. And yeah, I, I think Ch- Chelsea, I mean, their defense is just so put together. I think that's one that you can, that you can certainly trust. And with uh, Nuno going to, to Spurs, he's known for his defensive uh, structures. So it, it completely makes sense that, that Spurs' defense is, uh, right is outperforming. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, the one that I was looking at is, is, is Leicester because, uh, yeah, uh, it looks like they, they are conceding quite a bit of chances this season. Yeah, so uh, look, uh, looking at these numbers over here, make some interesting reading. Like you said, you know, it's still a bit of a small sample size for now. We we'll probably get a, a better um, understanding of how this works around game week 10, I suppose, where we can uh, start ha- having a better picture of what's going on. But, you know, also comparing this data with the numbers you've been producing on the models as well is, uh, yeah, it really, really makes really interesting reading. And that's what I'll be using. I'll be using this and I'll be using the, the model that you've created going forward to try and get my team together. All the best. It's, it's always the worst when you're putting that wild card together and, and, your, and your previous team would have scored more points. So, and that's what I, I hate. So all, <laughs> all I can say is good luck and, and, and happy tinkering because it is, it is such a process trying to get that wild card right. Cool. Cheers, man. Cheers, Cloud. Have a good week.